Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Monday, April 13th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'm actually joined by a special guest today, Mr. Tom Taylor, the editor at BJPen.com, also at uh, South China Morning Post, and now at AsianMMA.com. Tom's everywhere. He used to be at Vice. Uh, Bleacher Report, I think you're at too, Tom. Just, I'd love for you to just tell the, the listeners uh, who you are and uh, just a little bit more about you, if you don't mind. Cool. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well. Um, Bleacher Report, BJ Penn, South China Morning Post, Vice, Asian MMA, uh, Canadian like yourself. Been covering uh, MMA for God, close to a decade now, I'd say. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tom, you've been around for a long time, man. Like as long as me. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. operating, operating in the shadows though. I haven't been to too many. I know. I know. Yeah. I feel like you're a little bit more prominent now because you are at BJ Penn and you're mm-hmm. already here, so you're always running out the articles. But I remember like back in the day, like I thought you were always like a really good writer. But I don't think a lot of people knew who you were. Mm-hmm. But I know that, uh, you were at Fightland for a long time, which is I think one of your bigger breaks. Yeah. Um, how did you get into the sport, anyways, Tom? Oh man, just kind of a series of lucky breaks. Um, I've always really liked writing, and you know when I was 21 or 22 or something kind of started wondering, you know, what I could write about with authority and, and MMA was the thing, you know, I loved MMA and started writing articles. Um, first article I ever wrote was about, uh, the late Tim Hag. That was for, um, top MMA news, a Canadian site. Yep. And yep. it just sort of, you know, snowballed from there. I just got a few lucky breaks when I needed them and here we are. Awesome. Yeah. You've been around forever, like I said, and, mm-hmm. uh, like you, man, I, I think I started, like when I was 21 or 22 as well, like you, mm-hmm. man, I was like, what am I going to specialize in? Cause I want to do something with my life and MMA kind of fell in my lap. So it's been good. And mm-hmm. both together now, which is nice because I've always respected your work and uh, oh, back at like, you. thanks man. I've been at BJ Penn almost a year now, which is crazy. I like the time really flies, man. It really does. For two, two years, two years. Oh man. Uh, three, three and a half or so now. Yeah. Ooh. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about uh, MMA today. Cause that's why I brought you on. Obviously, Tom, I mean, it's a scary time, I'd say, for our, our industry in general. Um, coronavirus pandemic's really taken a toll on MMA. The last few weeks, I've been talking about the fights coming back on and then going back off. So Friday, last Friday, I talked about UFC 249 being canceled. I don't want to get into that too much. But I do want to mention that uh, last night, uh, this news broke on Twitter that a photographer in the MMA world <clears throat> Of coronavirus did you see that tom i just uh, saw your tweet about it a minute ago that's that's really sad definitely sad anthony causey i don't know him personally but uh the guy had some really iconic photos like you know that photo of tj dolshaw screaming at cody garbrandt like when yeah had, yeah when they're face to face so oh, wow. i mean yeah so like this guy was a pretty prominent photographer like i saw a lot of uh people like aaron bronsteiner a friend of mine and mark raimondi and uh, uh ryan Lope all these guys were like tweeting about him saying you know he's an awesome dude it's just sad because i was actually checking his twitter or his instagram out tom and he had tons of pictures of the ufc events but his last photo was him in the hospital three weeks ago saying like please pray for me guy dies three weeks later for coronavirus like this is a serious thing it's extremely sad how's everything in ottawa man i'm in toronto right now or just outside toronto actually but you're in ottawa Mm -hmm. what's going on there as far as like precautions and everything like you're not living a normal life obviously uh, it's got to be about the same as Toronto. I don't see him. I'm actually right outside Ottawa as well. And I mean, it's just, it's a ghost town, man. It's, it's crazy. I was out for a walk yesterday and, you know, you could do a full 360 degree t- turn and see, you know, one person, if that, um, there's just nobody out, you know, and you go to the grocery store. It's like a scene out of a movie, man, with the lines and, you know, all the precautions being taken. <laughs> and, the same. No, for sure. And, and mm-hmm. that's the thing, like, we can't live a normal life right now. And, 
I was honestly surprised where when Dana White was so adamant that the card was going to go on. Obviously, it was canceled eventually, Tom. But I think you're in the same boat as me. Like, I don't know if you ever thought it was actually going to happen. You know, I was I was skeptical throughout, but you know, after about a week of him just being so adamant that it was going to happen, I I think somewhere inside me I started believing him. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> like I'm like this guy's just too determined. It's you know, even if it's a total disaster and you know the card falls apart and it's only two fights on a yeah. you know some shady venue somewhere in the states, I kind of just thought he was going to do something, but. So I was, I was honestly surprised when, when he pulled the plug last Thursday, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? Like, again, higher-ups called called the shots there, and I know Dana would have did the, the event either way. Um, like I said, I didn't want to talk about the event too much, but I do want to talk about some of the reaction to it. So, like, the last few days over the weekend, a lot of the blame has been shifted to the MMA media for canceling the event, Tom. Mm -hmm. And I got to be honest, I don't agree with this sentiment because, to me, like – there were a certain segment in the media that were pushing for the event to be canceled. I agree with that. But at the same time, I don't think that's what ultimately did it. Like the, the media has been going against them for about a month now. Mm. And I feel like it really was just the higher ups at Disney and ESPN that ultimately made the decision. So what, what do you think about all these, uh, I would say fans, but not just fans. Cause there were some uh, media um, managers like uh, Malcolm Caldwell, yeah. very uh, vocal Jason house. Uh, yeah. Sports, he, he tweeted last week, he's like, I'm not giving interviews to people that wanted to cancel the event. Like, what do you think about this whole uh, just argument that it's the media's fault that the show was canceled? Well, I personally take credit for canceling UFC 249. That, that was me. Um, no, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, um, you know, I think a lot of us felt that it was dangerous for the card to go ahead, but of course, it was in our best interest for the card to go ahead. You know, yeah. if there's no fights, there's nothing for us to write about. The card's been canceled for two days, and we're all already struggling to find content. So, yeah. you know, we were we were all, you know, thinking of the safety of the fighters and UFC staff when we criticized the card. Um, and I think we're all pretty disappointed that couldn't happen, but it's the way the cookie crumbles, man. Dude, I agree 100%. Like, again, I hope people realize how the business works. Like, we rely on people reading and listening to our, our products and our contents. Mm -hmm. And right, there's nothing to really, like, write about. I mean, there is stuff to write about, Tom, but you have to really dig and you have to really put on your thinking cap. It's not easy. Like, some people think, you know, it's it's really easy to think about, like, new ideas for people to, for people to read. But the truth is, Tom, and, and you know about this as much as me, if not more than me, what are people reading about Tom? They're reading about news and they're reading about the fights on the weekend. We don't have that Saturday night now. Like mm -hmm. that hurts us. That hurts the media. So I know you're saying like there was a certain subset of the media that were pushing to cancel because of the, the fighter safety and stuff. But at the same time, it wasn't our best interest for the card to go on, even though it probably shouldn't have went on. So mm -hmm. you know, like people blaming the media, they have to realize that a lot of us, especially guys like me and Tom, like, we really do rely on the events to happen. Like there are some, you know, higher end media, I guess, in the business that they're fine right now, Tom, like they're on, you know, nice, nice salaries and, and they're, they're going to chill for a little while. But for guys like us, they're kind of in the middle, Tom, we, we really need this event to happen. Absolutely, man. I mean, we're going to, we're going to feel the pinch for sure. I think with no events coming for the, for the next few weeks, but again, it was just all about fighter safety. Like, you know, yeah. the photographer that passed away, this is a, this is a serious thing and we can't be taking any risks. I don't think. Absolutely. I mean, Dana White said he was going to have some media there. Imagine one of the media members did get coronavirus. That's like, it, you know, or one of the fighters or something. That would be, you know, the end of the UFC's credibility. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some other stuff here. Um, we'll have Dean Nurmagomedov. Obviously, he was supposed to headline the card against Tony Ferguson. He went to Russia. Fans are really upset at him. They think it's his fault that he went home to be with his family during a global pandemic, which is so dumb. But uh, obviously, the fight was going to be uh, Ferguson versus Gaethje. That fight was also postponed. I think back, uh, I think when the um, UFC schedule resumes, when it comes back, I think you'll see Habib against Tony again. That would be, I guess. Now Habib's out there 
on his social media teasing a return in September. He says it's an optimistic return, but that's what he's hopeful for. What do you think about that? You think September is realistic? I think it's definitely possible. You know, it all as everything depends on how this pandemic shakes out, of course. But I think uh, you know if things start to uh, dissipate a little bit in the next few weeks or months, then September is doable, and it certainly makes sense. You know, being after Ramadan and. That's yeah. when the UFC is looking at that return to Abu Dhabi. So, I mean, the stars would be aligning for sure if it worked out. Yeah. I agree 100%. I feel like maybe it'd be a little bit more relaxed there, like as mm -hmm. far as regulations and stuff. I'm pretty sure the UFC self-regulates too when they go there. So I feel like that's, that could happen for sure. Um, if it does happen, again, you know, Tom, I'm one of these people that believe that this fight with Tony Ferguson can still happen. Like some people are like, well, it's been canceled five times. There's no way it's going to happen. It's cursed. I still want to see this fight. Mm -hmm. I want to see it too. I mean, I, I personally feel that they should just keep booking it until it sticks. You know, it's, it's such a great matchup. We're, we're used to the disappointment, disappointment of it falling through at this point. Um, just, just keep trying. And it's going to be, when it finally happens, it's going to be that much more gratifying for all of us. No, I agree. And I saw uh, John Cavanaugh, who is obviously McGregor's coach. He wants like a mini tournament going on. So he'd like uh, there to be, Ferguson versus Gaethje, or excuse me, Ferguson versus Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson versus Habib. I'm getting talked about Gaethje versus McGregor. I like that idea a lot, actually. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I was surprised when he wasn't like, I want to see Habib versus Condor too, and then Ferguson versus Gaethje. I thought that's what he was going to say, but mm -hmm. I think being realistic, this makes a lot of sense. You know, Condor's going to have to take a fight. He didn't want to take a fight, Tom. I think he really did want to just get that title shot. At this point, he's going to have to fight again, unless he wants to risk, you know, sitting out a year and a half again. I think that four-man lightweight tournament makes a lot of sense. I think it makes perfect sense. But like you said, you know, it all comes down to what Connor wants and what he's willing to accept. Um, the Gaethje fight's super dangerous, obviously, for anybody. Um, I don't think Connor's necessarily afraid of dangerous fights. He's proved that. But, I mean, he'd be a major A-side in that fight, and there's there's a lot to lose. So, I'm in. Absolutely. That's the thing. It's the risk versus reward. I had James Lynch, my good friend, on a couple weeks ago, and he was he's one of the guys that just thinks that it's too risky for Connor take this fight because just say he does lose. Yeah, you know, he loses a lot. It's not just the fight. He loses a lot of, like you said, credibility with the fans, like and, and just credibility as far as the title shot goes. Like I think that's why he wants that shot so bad. But at the same time, Tom, like again, this break, as much as, as bad as it is, it does give the UFC a, a chance to like reset the schedule and reset all the title fights they have lined up. So guys that were, in my opinion, not deserving, like a guy like Jose Aldo, I don't think he deserved a title shot. Mm -hmm. I, that fight i don't think he deserved it i think peter john deserved that shot but you can change that now now you can switch things up you can be like well maybe we want to switch it up and not give him the title shot anymore so that's the one good thing about this uh because you can reset the schedule although i could hurt could hurt tony ferguson because if the ufc wants they could just go ahead and give connor that shot against Habib. although personally tom i don't think he deserves the next title shot i really do think they should go back and give it to tony ferguson once again I think they'll definitely give it to Tony if they have any sense whatsoever, which I'm hoping they do. But you know what? I do think they're going to rebook the uh, the Aldo Cejudo fight as well, uh, or you know, if not that, then the Dominic Cruz fight. But I don't expect you know Peter Yan or or Aljamain Sterling to get the title shot anytime soon. You're probably right, Tom, but I honestly hope that uh, Peter gets a shot soon because I think he deserves it, man. I've been super impressed with that kid, and he looks amazing. All right, uh, we actually got a question from Cole here, but I'll yeah, I'll do it right now. Hey, Cole, what's up, man? If you're Connor's manager. What do you advise him to do? Nate's trilogy, Gaethje, or wait for Tony to be winner? That is a great question, Cole, for sure. Thank you for asking it. It's a tough one. Um, if he's going to wait for Tony Habib, Tom, he's probably going to have to wait till like January of next year. That seems like a long wait. The Nate Diaz trilogy is a winnable fight. It's, but that's a fight that's always there, in my opinion. Like, even mm -hmm. if he is his next fight or two, they can always do that trilogy fight. I feel like that's a fight that's going to happen down the road. That's why I feel like 
the Gaethje fight, as risky as it is, it might be the only fight that actually does make sense. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, you summed it up pretty well there. I think there are clear kind of risks to each one of those options. Um, the Nate Diaz fight, I think, is the least risky for him. But, you know, in victory, it would probably gain him the least ground. I mean, we've already seen him beat Nate. You know, it wouldn't be that shocking to see him do it again. Um, and then where is he? You know, he's kind of just right back where he started. The Gaethje fight's really risky, but, you know, that's the fight he needs to take if he wants to get another title shot. And then waiting around, I mean, waiting doesn't benefit anybody, you know. I mean, he just loses more and more credibility the longer he sits out. So I think the Gaethje fight is the way to go if he really wants that title shot again. And loses money, too. Not that he's hurting for money by any means, but mm -hmm. he's going to wait till you know, January next year. Like, he missed all of last year. People think Exactly. Yeah. He missed a year of fighting. Obviously, Tom, I mean, he's making a ton of money from his proper 12 and everything, but at the same time, like, He's a guy that he's like Flay Mayweather, man. He's always looking to to get another paycheck. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the next thing on my list here. Uh, Israel Adesanya and John Jones. These guys continue to draw each other. Last night before I went to bed, Tom, I, I wrote a post about it on BJ Penn, and I woke up and <laughs> basically and I got another post about it because they were going after each other yeah. all night. Mm -hmm. Do you think these guys fight each other? Probably not this year, but next year. You think that fight's realistic? I think it's realistic, but I th I'm not sure it's going to happen, man, because I, I kind of feel like one of those guys is going to lose in the meantime. You know, the sport is just so unpredictable. And for yeah. two guys to sustain their win streaks long enough to have the super fight we're waiting for, it just, I mean, you know, a lot of things need to happen between now and then for that to happen. And uh, I, I don't know, just seems seems like it's a long shot. You know, Jones has looked fairly, I don't want to say beatable because, you know, he's John Jones, but he has looked a little more uh, vulnerable lately. Yeah. You know, who, who knows if he'll still be on a win streak by the time Adesanya is ready to fight him. That's a great point, man. I mean, I, I think people are forgetting that. Like, these guys can lose, like, their next fight, yeah. right? I thought, quite honestly, Tom, I thought that Jones lost his last two fights. I thought he definitely mm -hmm. lost Reyes, and I thought Santos beat him too. So this is a guy that, like you said, he's looked human lately. That's what I would say. He hasn't looked like that uh, killer that we saw all those years in a row. But, again, like you said, Tom, it is hard to sustain a win streak like this. For John Jones has basically been undefeated for, like, 12 or 13 years now. I mean, it's incredible mm -hmm. what he's done, but at the same time, Eventually, he might lose, right? And if he loses, that fight with Adesanya doesn't have as much like luster as it would. Um, I got another question here, but I'm going to wait to answer that. We'll wait till the uh, wait, wait a little bit. I want to answer. Uh, go through a few more points here before we answer the questions. Next thing I want to talk about here, Chris Weidman. Okay, so Chris Weidman uh, actually went on his Twitter the other day and confirmed that he had accepted short notice fights against Edmund Shabazi and Yoel Romero for, I believe, UFC 250. He was obviously supposed to fight Jack Hermanson in Oklahoma City. Jack Hermanson's an international fighter. I'm assuming he wasn't able to fly to the United States for that fight, so that fight was not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, Romero and Shabazian are two terrible matchups for Chris Weidman, in my opinion, Tom. It looks like the UFC is essentially using him as a gatekeeper at this point. Uh, Chris Weidman, he's the guy, whenever we post an article, Tom, I always look at the comments. Fans just don't respect this guy anymore, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. like, he was a former champ. He was great for a long time. You look at his recent record, it's knock a loss, knock a loss, knock a loss. He does have that win over Gastelum mixed in there, but – Essentially, he's been knocked out in his last five of his last six fights. So the guy is getting knocked out at a record pace at this point. What do you think about those matchups, Tom? Like, would you have favored him at all against Shabazzian or Romero? No, definitely not. I mean, he's he's in a tough spot. I really like Chris Weidman, and, you know, he's yeah. accomplished some amazing things. But, uh, yeah, he's in a tough spot, and I think he's going to be, a, like, a, a understandable underdog against pretty much anybody they give him at this point in the top 15. But, you know, that's the, the situation he's in is, is a tough situation because – you know, to gain some credi credibility back with fans, he's going to need to beat a big name, a respectable opponent, you know, and to do that, he needs to, you know, take a big fight like this. So, tough Absolutely. spot. No, I agree 100% with that. And, you know, again, Chris Wyman's a guy that I respect a lot, and uh, he's, like you said, did a, a, so much in the UFC and accomplished so much. But at this point in his career, I mean, 
you know, it's one of those things where every time we post an article about Tom, fans are saying, mm-hmm. because people don't want to see guys get hurt, I think. Like, as much as it is, it's as fun as it is, Tom, to watch them get knocked out. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to see get over and over again the same guy, yeah. It's, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, next thing I want to talk about here, Anthony Smith. I have talked about this a few times in the last week. I, crazy story. Um, it blew up when we posted it, Tom. Insane story, like one of the craziest ones we've seen. So now more details are kind of like leaking out. Luke Haberman, the guy who I only say allegedly, I mean he did break into his house. Like we have there's a video now of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so allegedly, he's a former Nebraska wrestling star. So people were wondering why Anthony Smith was having a hard time. Well, this guy's a former wrestling star, and he was probably on an insane amount of drugs mm-hmm. when he broke into Anthony Smith's house. So your reaction to that story, because I haven't really asked you about it. Man, that story, when I first saw it, I think it was ESPN that had it first or something. I couldn't believe it. Just reading through it, the quotes that Smith had were, were insane. And you know, my girlfriend doesn't give a crap about fighting, but I read it to her or read her the highlights just because it was so insane, man. Like yeah. that this, you know, this pretty a, a giant light heavyweight had yeah. trouble with this 170 pound, you know, burglar in the middle of the night is is crazy to me. And yeah, the quotes were incredible. But I'm you know, the fact that this guy was a wrestler kind of does explain the difficulty Smith had uh, putting him away. Although you think even a wrestler could be put down by a by a knee from a you know a two hundred and five pound fighter, but I don't know. As uh, I think Michael Bisping said it the other day, he said cocaine's a hell of a drug. Whereas that's the famous Dave Chappelle quote, right? So right, right. Well, this I, guy, sure. I don't think he was sober. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. He was at least drunk. Yeah, you don't do that if you're sober. Did you see that footage? Uh, I, th- I posted yesterday. Um, there was a footage of him breaking into a neighbor's house, and the guy screaming at the top of his lungs. Anthony Smith was talking about this. I was scared when I saw it. I watched yeah. the video. Screams like out loud. It was crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be sleeping properly for for a few weeks after that. I don't yeah. think. That's the yeah. thing. The one thing I'll say about Anthony, a lot of people, there have been a lot of people coming to his defense, which is great. But there there has been some people that have criticized him, saying you're a professional MMA fighter. How could you have not have like knocked this guy out or beat him up or choked him out or whatever? Tom, the guy was woken in the middle of the night, four in the morning, by a screaming guy in his house. I would have been mm-hmm. terrified. I'm actually happy that Anthony Smith was like admittingly that he he was terrified. He was scared for his family. I thought it showed the human side of him, man. He's not just a MMA fighter. He's a person, too. And someone broke into his house in the middle of the night and threatened his family. Of course, man. I mean, that's a terrifying situation to be in when, you, when your family's potentially at risk. And, of course, you also probably would prefer not to kill the person that broke into your house if you can yeah. help him at all. But, uh, and, you know, you, you can just imagine Anthony Smith hitting this guy with his heaviest shots and the, nine, the guy not going down. And, you know, the terror starts to mount as he realizes he's fighting this, you know, invincible burglar. But, I've seen uh, a lot of jokes on uh, social media. Dana White should sign for the next contender series. This guy's got a hell of a chain or something. So exactly, exactly. I mean, the guy was was clearly unwell. I hope he gets gets some help. But uh, absolutely, yeah, he was crazy story. Sure. It was yeah. uh, Daniel Cormier. I want to talk about him quickly. Daniel Cormier said that uh, he would take the UFC presidency job if it's ever offered to him. You know, I go on Aaron Bronstetter's uh, year-end recap every year, and uh, he always asks us like, name your three predictions. I think for the last five years, I've said Dana White's going to retire. And someone will replace him as UFC president. And a lot of us have suggested Daniel Cormier. I feel like it might happen. I think he'd be the perfect guy to do it. I think he'd just be a great representative of the sport. How many more years do you think Dana has to do this? Do you think Daniel Cormier actually would replace him? Oh, man, I don't know. It's it's impossible to imagine the UFC without Dana. You know, I can kind of yeah. picture him, you know, venturing into Bob Arum territory and doing this till he's, you know, 80 years old. But uh, if he does retire, you know, DC could be a great option to replace him. But I do kind of feel like DC might be a little bit too nice. You have to be a little bit cutthroat to lead a company of this size um, in an industry as competitive 
Um, you need somebody with some some killer instinct and some ruthlessness, and I'm not sure DC has that outside of the cage. He's just you know too friendly, too much of a dad. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. Um, just a few other things here, and then I want to get to some questions for our readers and mm -hmm. listeners. Uh, the odds actually dropped on the weekend for the Cejudo Cruz fight. Fight. I I don't know if that card's actually been officially canceled yet. UFC 250. Like, there's still outside chance it can happen, but most likely it's going to be scrapped. Um, but as far as the odds go, just pull them up quickly. I know Cejudo was favored as expected. He was a minus two forty five favorite. Cruz plus one seventy five. When they announced that fight, or I guess it wasn't officially announced, but when it was like rumored, Malky Kawa confirmed it was going to happen. Who who were you initially going to favor? I, I actually really like Cejudo to win that fight. I definitely like Cejudo to win that fight. I mean, there's no uh, diminishing what Cruz has accomplished, but it's been years since we we saw him fight last, and he lost that fight fairly decisively. I mean, I. The guy's an amazing fighter. He's one of the best ever. But at this stage, I would, I would, you know, expect him to to be an underdog against almost anybody, just you know, based on the, the circumstances. Absolutely, and actually, this segues well to my next point here. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, he's a former champion, obviously. Actually, the last guy that Cruz fought lost to him at UFC 207, same night Ronda Rousey got knocked out by Nunes. Mm -hmm. That's the last time Cruz fought. That's been a while, Tom. A long Ronda time. since then, so it's been a long time. Cody Garbrandt recently announced that he wants to move to flyweight, which be interesting i do think he could be a contender on that division now i want to talk about your article here because you had an interview with uh, manel cape who is a new ufc fighter in the flyweight division a former rising champion uh manel cape called out cody garbrandt he wants to fight him what do you expect from manel cape in the ufc i i think this guy's pretty talented um cody would be a very difficult fight i think but uh what do you think about uh, manel cape signing with the ufc i think it's a it's a great move from the ufc i mean it kind of sucks for the people over at ryzen because manel kick was starting to become a household name for them over there in japan but i mean he's a wild man you know like he he's actually kind of cut from the same cloth as cody i would say you know he he loves a firefight he's proven that in ryzen you know he won some he lost some um but i think he's i know he's really putting it all together right now uh, he just won the ryzen title so i think he's gonna make some real waves in the ufc and as risky as that fight with cody would be for him i think it's definitely winnable for him he's i mean he's just an animal yeah, absolutely. You know, my girlfriend is actually Portuguese, and when I told her Manel Cape signed with the UFC, she's like, "Really? That's awesome!" Like, she's so happy because mm -hmm. she's one of the few Portuguese fighters, and she doesn't like uh, Pedro Carvalho for some reason. I don't know why. Because <laughs> her brother's name is Pedro too. And she did. And Maybe that's what they did with it. Yeah. But yeah, family feud there. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good signing. You know, um, Cody is very talented, but I got to be honest, Tom, that chin combined with the weight cut to one twenty-five, don't see it going well for him, man. Yeah, I mean, when, when Cody fought Dominic Cruz, he looked like, you know, a defensive wizard. That was just the perfect performance. And I think if he can kind of recapture some of that that magic that he had in that fight, then he could do do some really great things at bantamweight or featherweight. Um, but the key is obviously going to be keeping his chin out of the way, which is obviously easier said than done in a, in a fist fight. Absolutely. All right, so let's get to a question here. Daniel Edwards, appreciate the question. What fight pack fights do you recommend in lockdown? So far, I've watched Peter Yan and Paul Acosta, and we have Montgomery Whitmore, who's a regular listener of the podcast. Suggested UFC 59, UFC 92, and UFC 125. Three great events. Are there any events, Tom, that uh, that you loved, like older events maybe, that, that some fans, newer fans of the sport might not have seen? Oh, man. I mean, there's there's a million probably. I have to think about it a little bit. Okay, I'm going to list right now. If you want, Tom, Google like your list of UFC events and go through them if you want and, and pull up a few. It's a tough question, man, to answer on the fly. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But, you know, if you're a newer fan of four, I mean, I would definitely go for like some of the bigger ones. Like UFC 100 is a great card. Yeah. Lesnar yeah. versus Mir, Tapier versus Alves, Henderson, Bisping. I mean, that card was incredible. Akiyama Belcher was a great fight. And they, um, look at the prelims on that card. John oh, Jones, that card was insane. 
what a crazy card, right? So if you're yeah. new for sport, that'd be a card. I remember when I actually I was getting into the sport. That was a card that I loved. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a, yeah, I, I wish I could think of a, a bunch right now off the top of my head. Um, how about this one? UFC uh, 126. That would be Silver vs. Belfort. That was a great card too. Jones vs. Bader. That's another card you could definitely watch. Um, mm -hmm. UFC 199, I think it was, was the one where Bisping won the title. Yes. <clears throat> that was a crazy card, man. There's, there was just so much drama heading into that card, you know, between uh, Cruz and Faber and Bisping and, and Rockhold. And actually, the, the Bisping fight that preceded it when he fought Anderson Silva, that was a wild card too. Bro, sick, sick call because that card is so amazing. I'm looking at it right now again. And mm -hmm. Ortega versus Guido was a great fight. And of course, Dan Henderson versus Hector Lombard. That was a oh, I forgot about fight. that one. Yeah. Yeah, crazy fight. UFC 189 is also a great fight, a great card. That's Mendez versus McGregor. Yeah, Baller yeah. versus McDonald. That Steve might be one, that might be the best ever, honestly. That was Yeah, it could be. That yeah, you know what? Actually, that could very well be the best card of all time. Yeah, that had Stevens and Bermudez and uh Gunnar Nelson knocked out Brennan Thatch or something like that on that card, I think, too, right? Yeah, they yeah. fought, yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy card. Um, yeah, it, it's tough, man. It's a tough question to answer on the fly. Daniel, mm -hmm. I wish I could give you a better answer. What I will say is this. Fans now are so lucky they have Fight Pass to watch because when I was getting in this board, Tom, and I've told this before, there was no Fight Pass. I know you're in the same position. I used to go to all the thrift shops in Toronto, all the used DVD stores, used record stores, and look at – old dvds i have a bunch of old ones i have like old king of the cage pride the old ufc that's how i would find out about the sport man that's how i would watch the the fights because there was no way to else to find them so newer yeah. fans have this amazing tool on fight pass now they can watch anything i will mm -hmm. say this go back i would start ufc one and just go up to ufc 249 or whatever absolutely you're, you're bound to find some gems if you just go through the whole catalog i mean there are other things says best era is 2008 to 2012 I got to say that might be one of the golden eras of the sport too. I agree mm -hmm. with that. Degree. That's kind of the time where I fell in love with the sport. I think mm -hmm. Tom probably in the same position. Um, yep. Great fights on that, uh, in that time period for sure. Um, you had so many great fighters, emerging stars during that time. So I think that's a really good call. I will say this again, uh, you know, start at UFC one, go up to UFC 248. That'd be a great way to do it. Also, Fight Pass, I believe, has the, all the Pride events. Pride one to Pride 34. I would do that mm -hmm. as well. Pride events, I, Tom. Honestly, I thought Pride was better than UFC. Like, yeah, the incredible product. Greatest, the greatest fighters of all time came for Pride. I mean, they were all That's there. True. That's true. And you know, there was so much spectacle too. Every every Pride yeah. event felt like a you know, like a, like an event. You know, it was just something that oh, you know, really just so captivated your attention. The fans are so different too because they weren't. They're not like just bleed fans. The fans would be quiet, and then all of a sudden, a guy would pull off a sick move, and they they would start clapping. Mm -hmm. Such a different crowd there. I know you've been to Japan. Mm -hmm. As to that, it's just a it's a different world out there. I will mm -hmm. say this as well. Um, the strike force fights, go back and watch all the strike force events. Strike force put on a great show, guys. It really mm -hmm. was one of the best promotions. If you look at the list of UFC champs, Tom, half these guys came from strike force. It's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing promotion. It really was. And when when those strike strike force guys came over, there was, you know, a widespread feeling, I think, that they wouldn't do as well in the UFC. And I I mean they totally proved everybody wrong and just I mean they yeah. tore it apart. It was amazing. Absolutely. And uh this guy's saying street beefs. Street beefs is on YouTube. I actually have watched it. Those are street fights. It's not bad to watch if you want to watch that. But uh, if you want to stick to like traditional MMA and uh, you know some some legitimate professionals. Stick to the UFC, Strike Force, yeah. those three promotions. Also the WEC. I haven't mentioned that WEC put on great fights. Definitely classes, but great fights as well. Um, we had a few questions on Twitter last <laughs> night. Talk. We'll answer them quickly before we get out of here. Sure. 
Uh, Andrew Whitelaw, who I believe is he a colleague of yours? I'm not too. Is he a colleague or? No, he's he's at uh, Fox Sports Asia. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but you're pretty well uh, connected with him, of course. Yeah, he's a great guy. I've met him a few times. Yeah. Awesome. He said, what city would you like the UFC to go to for the first time? Which I think is a great question. I know you had a chance to think about this. So mm -hmm. what would your suggestion be, Tom? Well, I mean, I think the obvious option would be Paris. They've been trying to get over there for a long time. Um, you know, other other European cities, you know, somewhere in Spain, perhaps Rome. I know the the fight scene in Italy is kind of difficult to, to get into. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of territories, I think, in Europe that, would, that are hurting for UFC. Um, Asia, I think also would be really welcoming a lot of big Asian cities, um, Jakarta, maybe Bangkok certainly would love to have a UFC. Yes, um, I mean, those are, I think that's kind of one championships territory right now, but I'm sure those people would be super welcoming of a UFC card. Of course they would. Yeah, if the UFC came every few years to like Singapore or whatever, but uh, you're mm -hmm. right. One's territory, but I think that'd be a good spot, but I'm with you. Like Spain, like you said, uh, Portugal, Italy, these countries, mm -hmm. Greece would be great. That's where, that's where my family's from. Those, mm -hmm. those are really good events. My pick would be Africa, though, like somewhere in Africa. I right, think, right. Good call. I think South Africa would be a good spot, Nigeria maybe. But I think there's a lot of good fighters in there. I don't know how much money they have, though, like, you know, not to be rude or anything. But uh, Nigeria is actually, I think, the biggest economy in Africa. So that would be, yeah, the, the capital city is uh, Lagos, and there's, you know, 20 million people there or something insane. So I mean, that's, if the UFC goes to Africa, I think Lagos is the city. You know, they've got Kamaru Usman, Adesanya. Absolutely. And that's why I was thinking, you know, again, I, I, I need to be a little bit more um, educated on, uh, I guess, where the money is in, in that uh, continent, which is a massive continent, by the way. I just mm -hmm. feel like I always felt like Africa is such a big opportunity for MMA. Like, and the only real promotion there is like EFC Africa, which mm -hmm. uh, they're not like as big as they could be. I think, I think they could be bigger, but I think, you know, South Africa or like you said, Lagos would be a really good spot. So maybe yeah. Johannesburg or Cape Town, I think those would be good spots, but Tom, they need to do an event there because it's been oh, too long. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, last question here: We got Nate the Cheeseburger Walrus. And anyone, if anyone wants to throw in a last second question, do it right now before we get out of here because Tom's got to go back to work. Yeah. Uh, Nate the oh, Cheeseburger yeah. Walrus, my good friend of mine. He's actually a fan site now. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Burgers He's a good friend of mine. Uh, you guys have to build a realistic supercard. All this once all this COVID stuff's over. To remind us why we love the sport and get inspired again. Say this October using who be ready. Let's see the top five fights you have on the main card. Uh, we can just do this together, Tom. So give me give me a fight, a dream fight that you'd like to see on that card. Well, I think, uh, you know, my headliner would be Tony and Khabib. Just, you know, if it doesn't work out in September, do it in October. That would work as well. Yeah. Just, just keep booking that one until until you can make it happen. That would be my headliner. Yeah, and I hate to be obvious about it, but I think Usman versus Masvidal is a fight that needs to happen. So right. I would definitely put that on the card as well. Um, what's another fight you'd have on it? Uh, well, I have a few fights here that I wrote down. I mean, Connor versus Gaethje would be a good one. Um, yeah. Kind of hard to imagine Connor being anything but a main event, but you know, perhaps it's yeah. possible. Uh, Rosenstrike versus uh, Francis Ngannou, that would be another good one to throw on there, depending when this pandemic subsides. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and Manel Cape, speaking of him, I would love to see him. Card, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they could, they could put him on the main card, man, you know, introduce him to people and, you know, give him a, a big name flyweight in his debut. I agree with that completely. Um, a few other fights I put on this card include uh, Jones versus, or excuse me, uh, Stipe versus Cormier three. They got to do that fight, man. Oh yeah, yeah. With, because the problem with this fight, Tom, is the division's just like it's in hiatus essentially right now. And I know that they do deserve the chance to fight again for the third time. Like both guys are legends; they're going to be in Hall of Fame one day. So let's do this fight. But Tom, if this fight doesn't happen by this year, they got to move on with this division, right? Absolutely, man. You know, I, I felt that way for quite a while. 
it's always great when you have rivalries like this in a division, but you know, the, the, the drawback is so obvious, you know, it just grinds the division to a halt. And then, you know, every, all the guys that have earned title shots are just kind of sitting there twiddling their thumbs, you know, risking their title shots, title shots, taking other fights in the meantime. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I agree with you. If, if they can't make this fight happen in the next, you know, six months or so, it's time to, time to move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to get back to the question from Daniel Edwards. We asked about like what events to watch, you know, I, I w really wish I had a better answer for your question. Like I said, watch, go back and watch UFC 1 to now. But the thing is, like, there are so many fights now, Tom, that as good as my memory is with fights, there's a lot of fights that just kind of, like, go through my head now because we have fights every weekend now. Back when I got into the sport, Tom, it was like you'd have a card, like, once or twice, a, like, once a month, actually. Sometimes you'd be, like, spread out every few months. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a different world now. So, again, go back and watch the early events. Start, uh, start from then and go till now. And do it that way. Um, just the last few comments here, and then we'll get out of here, Tom. No worries. Montgomery Whitmore, Connor and Reebok changed the game forever. Connor for the good, Reebok for the bad. I'm still not a fan of the Reebok deal, Tom. I still hate it. Yeah, I don't like it either, man. And uh, I think when the when the term of that deal wraps up, um, I mean, it's time to to look at something else. If they re up with Reebok, I think they really need to kind of change the the details of the of the contract so that it favors fighters a little more. Um, but it's just, I mean, I can't believe they thought they were going to get away with that. When, when they first announced it, I mean, it was just so clearly such an awful deal for the fighters. I know Dana was like, "Oh, this is great for the fighters. Like, they don't have yeah. to go for sponsors and stuff." You know, every fighter I've talked to, Tom, said that they were making a ton of more money from guys like Bad Boy and stuff that were paying them like individual sponsors before this. And you go, the guys in Bellator, they're still getting sponsored by these companies. They're, I think, they're making a lot more money than uh, the guys. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and it's amazing to me that there are people out there, you know, fans out there that believe what what Dana is saying on that front that the Reebok deal is is you know remotely favorable for the fighters. It's not. I mean, it's there's no two ways about it. It's it's a bad deal for the fighters, and when that when that deal is up, they need to definitely need to reevaluate. Re I think. Absolutely, uh, Corzer, you both look like you've never been in one fight in your life. And Damon Blackburn, Adam has he didn't win, but he at least stepped in. It's true. I did have one Muay Thai smoker, and I did not do very well in the fight. James was there. My friend Carlin was a bunch of my friends. Sean. Smith, you used to work with, he was there for that fight as well. Didn't go too well, Tom, but uh, at least I did it. I know you haven't been in a fight. I, I, I would never fight again, by the way. Um, yes. Yeah. We don't need to, that's the thing. We don't need to fight to be journalists in the sport. Like, I hope fans realize that. Like, well, you know, like, do, you know, NFL journalists have to play football for a living. No, right? No, so, if, if, that, if, if I think that it's important that, you know, I, I will say, I think it's important for people to have trained at least or, or yeah. something, you know, spend some time in a gym if they're going to cover this sport um, just because these athletes go through so much. And if you don't have the, you know, any understanding of what their struggle is like, then I mean, what, what authority do you have to possibly talk about the sport? Um, That's true. You can't hold the entire industry to that, to that standard because then there would be nobody covering the sport. Um, but I have trained quite a bit. I did Muay Thai for, for close to four years. Yeah. Um, I box now, well, I boxed until this pandemic hit which has been really disappointing because I was, you know, really getting my, getting my ass into shape. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I've never been in a fight. And, uh, but I do think, you know, if, if, if you can, as a journalist covering this sport, you should, you know, spend some time in a gym. If you're not training, at least, you know, spend some time inside a gym and just see, see how it all works. And, and it'll help you understand, you know, what these athletes go through for sure. I, I mean, that's exactly why I did it, man. That's why I trained. I trained Muay Thai for about five years as well. And uh, I don't train anymore because honestly, I, I kept getting hurt. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the only thing truth. And once I broke my arm, when I had to type with my left hand for three months while I had my arm in a cast, that was tough. You know, and I mm -hmm. was like, I got to choose between doing this as a hobby and, you know, my, my career as a writer, because typing with your left hand, Tom, imagine doing your job right now with only your left hand or your oh, right hand. Whatever it's, impossible, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not easy, right? Especially, mm -hmm. you know, 
in our situation where we're, we're grinding out articles like a, a, a bunch. So I'm with you, though, Tom. Like, I think it is a good thing to train to get the appreciation of what these guys go through because I don't think people realize it. Like, when I had my fight, Tom, like, it was just a smoker, man, but I've never been in that much pain in my life. Like, I had a headache for a week. Like, it was brutal, you know? So just getting those shots to the head, uh, you know, you definitely realize, like, what these guys go through on, a, on an everyday basis. And these guys are sparring, you know, quite often. They're training every day. and. Mm -hmm. It was insane. That's one of the reasons I got into the sport in the first place, Tom, because I really appreciate what they did. Um, mm -hmm. I, and these guys are like the greatest athletes in the world. I still believe that they are some of the greatest athletes. In Absolutely. The world. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. Um, just a couple more comments here and we'll get out of here. Guys, no more because we, we got to go. Um, Damien Blackburn, give it over under for when the UFC comes back. Ugh, it's tough, man. It really is tough because it could be next. It could be two weeks from now. It could be two months from now. I think realistically, like an over under set to June would be fair. So I would probably take the over on it, man. I don't want to say it because I really want the events to come back. But realistically, Tom, it's probably not going to be a while. It's probably going to be a while. Yeah, I think I think June is is very optimistic. Um, I, I don't see it happening, you know, this summer. If if it does, we'll be very lucky, and, and obviously we'll all be very grateful to have it back. But just you know, based on what we're hearing from health experts the world over, it sounds like we're we're in for for a long haul here. It's gonna it's gonna suck, but I mean, if it prevents people from dying, then yeah, that's what we got to do. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. Kenshiro Rudoji, we need fights Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. There's not enough MMA. Dana White did say they're probably gonna do like weekly fights, and I think they'll probably have to double that and do two cards a week, uh, just because they're so far back now, Tom. They have to meet that uh, requirement. I think it's like forty five events or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think we'll have to do that. And I appreciate you agree with me on that. Uh, Daniel Edwards. Even undercard fights I've forgotten are good. Go back and watch. Absolutely, man. Especially the early UFC cards, dude. What I would do, too, is I mentioned, you know, go to the, back to the early UFCs. Go to the UFC Hall of Fame page. Look at the Hall of Famers. Go watch their fights. Go watch Dan Severn's fights. Go watch Forrest Griffin's fights. Go watch Chuck Liddell's fights. Go watch Randy Couture's fights. Go back and watch those classic fights. Um, that's how you'll really gain appreciation for the evolution of the sport because the sport's so much different now than it was back then. The athletes are so much better. Uh, Kenshiro Riodoju. Contract deal so bad, so anti fire. GSP made so much in throw with sponsors like Gatorade and Under Armour. Absolutely, me and Tom both agree with that. And last comment here every MMA media member needs to grapple with fighters for after intermission 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen, but I do think that for sure that you do need to uh, train something or at least, you know, read, read and watch and, and learn about the techniques and stuff like that. Uh, by the way, grappling is really tough. Grappling is something, Tom, that I tried. I got so tired doing it, dude. Like, Cast I ever did, I puked in the bathroom and the coach was like, yep, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked at an MMA gym in Ottawa for a long time, like a really old school gym. And that's when I when I did Muay Thai for a few years. And, you know, over the course of my time there, the jujitsu guys would always try to get me into classes. And I conceded a few times and tried it. And, you know, it wasn't a, a cardio or fitness issue so much for me at the time because I was quite a bit younger. But yeah, man, yeah. My brain just was not equipped for that kind of sport like you're you always just kind of have to be thinking yeah. you know, three or four steps ahead and i'm just i'm just not smart enough for that man I, I couldn't pull it off i know i know when i did it man when i did do some grappling i would just close my eyes and just try to like let my body do the work because i honestly i'm like you i'm like my my brain just didn't think for that but muay thai yeah. i love it. i absolutely yeah. loved it i found muay thai much more straightforward you know they say in jujitsu you're kind of supposed to flow and yeah i tried to flow man but i would just kind of flop around and <laughs> get choked out a lot so Definitely not. I think what we're trying to say here, guys, is go and try some Muay Thai. That, that, that's what we're trying to say. Definitely. Uh, last comment here, um, Damon Blackburn. Damon messed up not making UFC 240 a charity by instead of pay-per-view. They should have just did it on ESPN, but, of course, the uh, card's not happening anyways. All right, that's going to be it for today's questions, guys. Really appreciate all the questions and comments. Tom, man, thanks for coming on. 
I want you to plug your stuff and tell the uh, listeners where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. I'm uh, Tom Tay MMA on Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. And uh, usually I spam out all my articles a few times. So if you want to keep up to date on, on what I'm doing, just, just give me a follow on Twitter and uh, I'll make sure you see links to my articles probably more times than you wanted to. <laughs> and Tom does a lot of uh, great work covering like the Asian side of the sport too. Like, so uh, one championship and some of the other promotions out there in Asia. So definitely check that out. And of course you guys can follow me on Twitter at Adam Adam Martin and uh, the podcast is always available at com. just Monday and Friday right now, guys. I mean, again, hopefully this, this whole pandemic ends and I'll get back to doing, you know, Monday to Friday, but uh, right now it's just two podcasts a week and hopefully that doesn't change anytime soon. Hopefully it doesn't go down to one or zero. I would cry because I want to keep doing this podcast. And I love doing Fingers it. Crossed. I know, right? Um, also, check me out, of course, at bjpen.com. That's where me and Tom work together. And I'm also at mmaratings.net, uh, where I've been posting my fight-fixing articles, matchmaking for the different divisions. And I just sent in my article for uh, the, uh, what was it? I think the Bantamweight division. So definitely check that out as well. Tom, thanks for tuning in, man. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no appreciate worries. it. Thanks, thanks guys, for tuning in. Have a good day, guys.